0: Flyers Daily with Jason Mertide. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily. It is an Ask Billy edition of Flyers Daily. Bill Meltzer, you read his work on NHL.com, hockeybuzz.com, and of course PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. We'll talk about the week that was, the week that will be, and get to the ask Billy questions. Bill, how you doing?
1: I am doing well,
0: Jason. Hope you're feeling a little bit better. I'm on the mend, not hundred percent, but uh strong enough to skate my wing, that's for sure. Four check back check, paycheck, as they say. And um, real quick, before we get to this, Bill, um, I did some extrapolating of some podcast statistics and numbers. And I'm happy to say that of any team specific podcast, this weekly episode, this segment that we do every week is the highest rated team specific segment of any podcast in the United States of America. So congratulations.
1: Well, that's awesome. And, you know, thank Flyers fans are the best. You know, yeah. no doubt about that. That's for sure. Yeah, the loyalty to the, this
0: podcast, the loyalty to this segment has just been unbelievable through everything. So thank you to everybody. Uh, let's get to a couple things real quick, Bill, because the Flyers are coming off that 2-1 win over Ottawa. And I didn't love the first period of the game, but when I was doing the game with Brian Smith on radio after the second period, I loved that second period. It was so resilient to kill four power plays for Ottawa. And to come away with the only goal in the period, and then they followed it up in the third. Zach McEwen gets the game-winning goal in the game. There were so many things about that game that I like
1: and that I think mean something. Uh, I I do, too. I mean, if if you look at how the deck was stacked, not just going into the game, but early in the game, too. You know? I mean, the Flyers were winless in their previous three. You have an Ottawa team that's at home. They lost four in a row. It's Giroux's first game against his former team, he's he's all fired up. The crowd's into it, you know. They, they come out, and uh, Giroux has a scoring chance 29 seconds into the game. I mean, just a, just a great a chance. Hart stopped. Right away, you can see how Hart's locked in. Um, you know, Giroux got got the milestone just a couple minutes later on a chance nobody was stopping. That was just a great, uh, perfectly executed rush by uh, by Ottawa. But well, they build that six nothing shot lead and uh Delorier draws the penalty. Flyers get a power play. Boom. I mean, just, just right out the draw. And A, that's the kind of resilience they've been showing all season. So much so much so that it's already their fifth win when they've been scored on first, which is as many as they had all last year. And it's not even a talking point in the game. You expect that resilience now. I mean, that's yeah. that's you know, that that's really a positive. Um yeah, the first period Certainly wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. Ottawa was definitely the better team, had the better chances. Um, I thought that after the Flyers got it to one-one, they found some equilibrium for about five-six minutes of the period, and then Ottawa kind of took control again. Um, and and Hart was, I mean, <laughs> Hart was a whirling dervish in that last minute of that period. Mm-hmm. You know, they were lucky to get that one-one. And I agree with you. I love the second period. I'm not not just. You know, not just on the special team side with the killing penalties and stuff. flash was a better team at five on five. Yep. That, that period it was one of the best five on five periods of all season. They broke out cleanly. They got their four check going, you know, um, they they forced turnovers. They, they generated some traffic, all, all the things you talk about wanting to do. They had a really good second period. They got rewarded, as you said, with the McEwen's goal. Um, and that, that, it was an unassisted goal, but really all five guys on the ice contributed that shift. That was really a great five-man unit kind of a shift. And the third period, and uh, you expected Ottawa to make a push, and they did. Um, you expected Hart to have to come up big, and he did. But, uh, man, all, all, you know, all the shots they were blocking in front of him, and everybody, everybody was doing their part in it. Um, so to come into a game like that and come out with a regulation win – you know, uh, you're only 11 games in, but that that's a quality win at this stage of the season. And there, there's a lot to like from that game.
0: Not only that, it's the process look was a good underlying yeah. process. They didn't buck the trend of, you know, hey, our the process wasn't good. They came away with a win. They found a way. It was just a, a good solid hockey win. And yeah. you, know, you know, one of the things in that element that you're talking about, Bill, was you know all five guys on the McEwen goal, and. You know, Morton Frost is playing on that line. And yeah. I love the game that he had because he was scratched the game before in his hometown. Dad was in the building, Andy Frost. Yeah. And that that's a hard thing. But he went out and he had a workman-like game. And he, he didn't get away from the skill elements of his game, but he also worked his bag off in the game. I, I think he's as big a contributor for that goal because he's there jumping in front of the goaltender taking his eyes away when McEwen has the shot. And I think all guys on the, on that shift were responsible for it. And I just really liked the way he responded
1: in the situation. He, he did. And I mean, listen, Morgan only played, I think 10 minutes in the game, about ten oh six something in that range. They were effective minutes though. Very, very effective minutes. And that's the whole point is that, you know, you're playing down the lineup. You know, you know, no one, you know, you're scratching. Pre- he he could have sulked. He could have just went through the motions and he didn't, he didn't. He found ways to contribute. I thought, I thought, um, you know, his, his details are really, really good in that game, including winning four out of 5 faceoffs. That That yeah. was, that was pretty big. Uh, if you look at the underlying numbers for that game, that whole line, um, you know, you're not going to be able to do this very often, but the, they were zero scoring chances against that that, that line on the ice and you know, you look at the the shot at, shot attempt differentials, the Corsi stuff. They were they were almost eighty percent for that game. I mean, you know, you don't get that very well often from, from any fourth line in the league. So uh, that 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 was really really nice to see. Um, you know, Tanner Lysinski, I thought had had his best game since opening night in, in totally his agree. limited um, yeah. Really really good on the walls. He created a scoring chance for himself. Um, and actually, Frost almost scored one too in a wraparound. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, that, that line could have maybe even had a couple goals at the end of the night, instead so just, just the one. So that was, uh, that, that was really, really nice to see. It, it was, you know, you look, you look up and down the lineup and I think the only, the only downer was that I thought that, uh, is still really struggling and, and he, he really got cut to the, he, uh, really they were kind of going with, with four or five defensemen by the end of the night. And, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they try to get Ristolainen back in and, and if Igor sits next game. But other, other than that, I mean, I thought I thought everywhere you looked in the lineup, there was still a whole lot of positives.
0: With Ristolainen sitting, what did you see that as? To me, that, I, I didn't look at it as some kind of punitive benching to the press box for Ristolainen. I looked at that as more as, hey, the guy's trying to find his game. takes big guys a little longer, too. And he missed a whole lot of time in preseason – and a lot of the beginning
1: of the season and they're trying to just bring him along slow yeah I mean he's as you said he he missed most of camp I think he got the one preseason game yeah um, it's the first six games of the season and I mean no two ways about it. it it's been a struggle for him those four games back have been a struggle um you know I I, I don't think it was punitive either I, I I don't think it hurt him to sit a game it yeah uh, you, know, you get a couple practices in as far as I've well, I just have you know we're not gonna do the week ahead yet, but this is a week where there's a lot of practice There's game practice game practice so there's a chance for guys to to get into rhythm um which which he's not in so i it 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 wasn't the end of the world with him sitting and and it was you know it was frankly it was frankly based upon performance but it was also just based upon okay you want to get you want to get braun back in the lineup he sat the previous game it yep. it, it was just something that made sense to do
0: yeah. Yeah, to, yeah to, exactly. I, his play has not been great, but sometimes to take a step back when you've missed so much time is the proper way to do it and to kind of get you there. And um, we'll see how he bounces back. I suspect we'll see him in the lineup tomorrow night. And uh, I do think that Zamula, you know, had some – he got out of jail a few times with the puck, but I don't like the fact that he puts himself into jail sometimes when he doesn't need to. Sometimes that there's a little bit of a slow thinking that – puts himself in that position to have to try and escape it. But um, let me read you these numbers, Bill. I read these on yesterday's episode. This is Carter Hart's game log from this year. His first game was on the 13th of uh, October, opening night against the Devils. He ended that game 35 saves on 37 shots, 946 save percentage. And I'll just go down the save percentages, 933 the next game, 947, 969, 941. Against Carolina, he had the 895 game that they lost in overtime. That's the outlier. 972 against the New York Rangers that won nothing uh, overtime loss 35 saves on 36 shots then 33 saves on 34 shots 971 save percentage I mean all this adds up to is a goaltender that has been not just good not in a rhythm but pretty outrageously good and his save percentage on the season is 946 and a sub two goals against average and really the stat that matters most is a record of 60 oh, and2 now in eight games just how incredibly good has he been to start this year to me he should never play a preseason game again
1: yeah yeah he he, he totally made, made the theory that you need some preseason games look foolish right yep. I, yeah Yes. yeah just his first game was opening night um no I I mean I, I think you said it all he's been fantastic I mean, it, it's a shame shame the Flyers couldn't get him any support in the uh Rangers game they would that one was a shutout so yeah you know, we had a regulation shutout. The same I mean, it's already 97 percent over the last two games. It'll be, you know, the 98, almost 99 percent, right? So, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you can't say enough about how Carter how Carter's played. How locked in he is. Um, you know, something. I mean, he's always been remarkably mature. You know, for for as a young man, but as a, as a young it's a young goaltender too. But there were still times, you know, there were still times where something would still be on his mind after, you know, and actually, uh, if you remember, do you remember the goal the other night? Yeah, um, I guess it was the Carolina game where he had to skate up against the post and he had everything sealed off and it just snuck in. It happened to him once before.
0: Last year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing where, you know, you, yeah, he he put you know okay, plays over, he moves on, and, and that's the mantra. But he really is doing that. I mean, not, nothing's nothing seems to be bothering him right now. Yeah. And that's uh you know, that that that's where a goalie takes his game to the next level over it. You know, um uh Jacques Pond had a big part of why Bernie Brown went from a, a very good goalie to a Hall of Fame goalie. And then Bernie later told Pelly Lindbergh this the same, same advice that Jacques Pond gave him. He said, "You give up a goal you don't like, you're you're pissed off, you you want to crawl under the ice sometimes." And he said, "That's really when you have to just center yourself, take a deep breath, and keep playing." And you know, that I mean that that's been a truism forever, but you can see, you can see Carter doing that because there there have been a couple or not the last couple games, but before that there, there've been one or two that he probably would like to have almost had back. Almost almost per game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And but there was nothing else after that. Yeah. You know? It was like it was like uh, you know, um the, the old thing that uh the and there's another Bernie Peranism, but it's but it's still true that you know sometimes the measure of a goal isn't the first one he gives up. It's how hard it is to get the second one. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's uh and that, that's very much true with Carter and, and he's exhibited that. Whether it's whether there's a chance he had played where he had no chance on or whether he whether there's one he might have wanted back. The second one has been hard to get the, you know the, the first one. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's been, uh, I mean, that that's what great goaltending is all about, really.
0: Yeah, I remember Tom Barrasso after his rookie year in the NHL was at Providence College Hockey. Uh, he was basically working out up there over the summer. And I was, I worked at Providence College Hockey School for Lou Lamorello, as a matter of fact. And I remember him talking to the goalies and saying, if you give up a bad goal, you have to forget it or you'll give up another bad goal. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and it's so true because if you can't find a way to get past it and refocus yourself and mentally reset, you are sure to give up another bad goal in that game, no matter how much time's left. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And uh, I, I've always believed that. And it's, it's an easy thing to say that you can do, but it's a really difficult thing to do. And Carter's done a lot of mental work since he was 14, 12, 13, 14 years old working with John Stevenson. And I think he's come into a, a, an area now where he knows how to – it's like meditating. The, the better you get at it, the better you meditate. And I think now he's at the position where he knows how to really not say he's resetting but actually resetting. And I think we can see that in his play. He's been unbelievable. Um, but let's look at this week ahead. Because Saturday to Sunday, Saturday to next Sunday, so including yesterday's game, five games in eight days. See, the Ottawa game that starts it off, then St. Louis Tuesday, Columbus on the road Thursday, then the back-to-back games, Claude Giroux comes to Philadelphia Saturday at 1 o'clock, and then Sunday you have the Dallas Stars come to town for a matinee game as well. Um, A big week ahead, but let's face it, what's on the schedule is not world beaters. This is not facing Florida, Carolina, and Tampa in a calendar week, they have an opportunity here that's in front of them with these games remaining this week, to really have a good week of hockey and take what happened in Ottawa and move it forward a couple steps.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the you know the one day at a time cliche certainly applies, and you know, so does the fact that I, every opponent is dangerous. Yep. You know the, the Flyers certainly are not good enough to take any any game any opponent for granted, but. Yeah, there, there's, uh, you know, and also sometimes when you're playing good hockey, the best schedule you can have is game day, practice day, game day, practice day. You know, um, now when, when nothing is going right, you know, you you could probably use a little, little bit of, little bit of a break there, but there's no, there's no back to back till the weekend. There's the afternoon back to backs, but but during the week they're you know, game and practice, I mean, there, there's a great opportunity in front of them here and, uh, you know they want to they want to establish, uh, re-establish some kind of a home ice advantage, you know. And there's there's a huge opportunity in front of them this week. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, Saint Louis, they're not the team that won the cup anymore, but they're still still a team with uh, some big bodies and some talent on there. And you know, and they're they make you fight for the you know, make you fight for real estate. So that's that's a really good challenge just to just to get right into it. Yeah, it really is. It, you, when you're playing well
0: as a player, you, you go, give us games, give us games. Yeah. Sometimes when you are when you have a bad game, you want to play one right away to get the taste out of your mouth, but that's not the best recipe. The best recipe is to have as many games as you can when you're playing well and to have as little as you can when you're not. Uh, let's get to the Ask Billy questions. Jared uh, tweets in, JBPHI, frequent tweeter to Ask Billy and to the program. He's got a couple of questions here, so let's start with the first one that he has. He said, is Tony D'Angelo the best Flyers PPQB since Ghost in his prime? He said, I'd say so. How much credit do you think he deserves for the turnaround of this power play? Um, I think he deserves, Bill, a ton of credit. Because I love like, the power play goal against the Senators on the Kevin Hayes redirect. He gets They win the faceoff. They do everything right there. And I think DJ Smith was mad that the shot wasn't blocked because the, the guy didn't come out to D'Angelo far enough to take away a shooting lane, but D'Angelo recognizing that the guys doesn't have a lot of urgency coming to him. He's kind of just straddling the line, backing off, backing off and goes, you know what, if you're going to give me the lane, I got two guys there. I got one guy cool. net front, which is Hayes. And I got TK off to the right. So I'm going to shoot slightly to the right side because if there's a rebound, he's there to pound it. I thought it was an incredibly cerebral play by Tony D'Angelo on the power play.
1: Yeah. He, he read, you he read that perfectly for sure. Um, you know, and and also, he was coming off. I thought the game in Toronto was the one game this season where I thought he struggled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Instant bounce back, which is yep. which is always which is always the one what you want to see. But but specific to the power play, having D'Angelo up top on on the first unit, it's been huge. It's been huge, really, in, in two different ways. Um, one is his work out of the point, but two, the unit's been pretty good at entries. That that's where I think the second unit's been been uh, lacking a little bit um, he's, he makes a really good pass to the forward so these catching guys in stride and they're they're gaining the zone um, you know it's uh that I mean that you know if you if beyond winning that first face off it, it's all about getting in and getting set up and there's also there's also always the danger to an, to an opposing PK that he could pinch in from the point yeah and the all has to be aware of him so having Having him up on the top in the power play, it, it's absolutely been huge. Um, you know, I mean, you know, and Ghost is, Ghost is a QB. Well, Ghost had the big shot, but that power play ran through Giroux. Giroux was the, yep. Giroux was the quarterback from the half wall. This, this is a whole different setup. Yeah. To- yeah. Giroux,
0: everything stemmed off the half wall with Giroux and became predictable. But uh, with D'Angelo, he is equal right side equal, left side. He doesn't care. That's not a political statement, by the way. <laughs> but he, he will work the puck to any side of the ice. And that's That's refreshing to watch, and it keeps a, a defense, a PK unit on their toes a little bit because the enemy of offense is predictability. And he provides a a really big dose of unpredictability as that PPQB. Let's get to uh, Mikey's question. He said it's uh, at I would dance with I would dance you. I guess he thinks he would dance any defenders. Oh, that's a lot of confidence there, Mikey. He says, do you think there's a possibility Chuck Fletcher trades for a high-end young player with term at the deadline if the price is right? And he uh, puts the name in uh, brackets of Clayton Keller. Um, At the deadline, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm ready to determine what they may or may not do at the deadline. There may be some guys like Clayton Keller available at the deadline but I don't know if that's something that is a deadline move or would be more likely to happen in the off season.
1: Yeah. I, I tend to think that kind of move tends to be more of an off season. Yeah. Kind of a move. I agree. Um, you know, I, yeah. And it's, it's too early to know whether the flyers are in, uh, you know, buyer seller mode, come, come the deadline. Or and so, um,
0: and Cam Atkinson's
1: health. And yeah, I mean, there, all there, there, those there's questions. So, there's so many X factors. Um, You know, the uh, Flyers right now are, I I believe they're, I believe they might be the the full 50 contracts, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so they'd have to move a contract out to bring somebody in, um, you know, and then it's also, there's also the question of, well, you know, what organizations are are willing to discuss which guys too, because you might, you might like the guy, but the other organization might have a, have a price tag in mind that's uh, over and above what you're comfortable trading. Uh, it would be nice to get a young player like Keller in the system. Absolutely, sure. Yeah. But uh, you know, but it takes two sides to make a trade, and you know, I, I think I think the Flyers are in assessment mode for a while to come. So it's it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to say what they may or may not do. I I think also, you know, and then John has said this a number of times. He's still trying to figure out who his long term lineup is going to be this season. So he's still looking at some guys.
0: Yeah there's a lot of assessment that has to take place between now and the deadline for sure. Uh, Mike Evangelista tweets in and says, Cam Atkinson update. I'll take anything at this point. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know that we can provide anything at this point. Cause I don't know that there's anything known at this point.
1: No. Uh, when, when Chuck Fletcher was providing some injury updates, I think it was last Saturday. Uh, the question came up about Cam and uh, he said, listen, you know, it's uh, one thing is that it's not something that was, I mean, it wasn't happened the one scrimmage he played in. It wasn't an on-ice injury, or something just kinda arose, right? And that it, it kind of came up and they're hoping that uh you know it will disappear as mysteriously as it as it happened. Um but he's not really doing better to the point where he can get on the ice yet. Um it's not something he can play with. Um and it's just it's just a holding pattern and i know it's frustrating i'm frustrated with it i'm sure there's nobody more frustrated than cam Atkinson with it um you know having and, and we've all been through what happened a year ago you know with with Ryan Ellis still ongoing and so it's it, it's extremely frustrating um the, the one thing i i found i found a little curious is that he isn't on IR yeah. and i mean you can backdate it anyway so so why not right um but uh so whether whether he's going to end up on lTIR or a few weeks from now he'll be uh skating and, and working up towards it. I don't think anybody knows that yet, but uh, I think what is what is obvious is that uh he's not imminently going to be in the lineup and you know and, and he's missed the team is winning and they're they're, they're getting some goals on most nights but uh you can you can't not miss Atkinson A between his shooting ability. You know, has presence on the PK. I think that the, the, some of these young players who are struggling a little down on their confidence right now, if you have Atkinson in the lineup and, and playing like Cam Atkinson, it takes pressure off of those guys. Yeah. So, I uh, you know, I, I think that I think he's missing a whole lot of ways, you know, uh, and just, just a general energy and, and attitude. So, you know, I, I think it'd be great to have some clarity and it's frustrating. There is none, but unfortunately, there's not there's not more than that to offer, that he's not coming back imminently.
0: Yeah, one of those guys, Bill, and we get to a question from Savalyn Farst, and he says, and asked Billy, last season Noah Cates was scoring at about a 25-goal pace. Any thoughts on why his offensive game has slowed down thus far? And I think the absence of a player like Couturier, even though he, did, he played – Couturier wasn't playing at that time, but a player like Atkinson as well, is – put him in in an area of different responsibility and therefore taking away some of his offensive punch.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I think that that's absolutely a big piece of it. Moving him to center. Yep. And I he's moved mostly back to wing, although he's still taking some draws, but moving him moving him to center and and giving him top six minutes, that they put a whole lot of responsibility on his back. And yeah, you know, it's funny it's funny because Noah had that really nice goal and in, in the game winning goal in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, that was created by his forechecking work and, you know, took it and, and it's savvy too, to take advantage of an opponent that had been on you know, their, their five man unit was caught on the ice on a very long shift. So he got very aggressive in, in going for the puck, knowing that uh, they're, they're just looking for a stoppage at this point. And that was a very savvy play. And since that time, and that was game three, so since that time, the Flyers have played eight games, and Cam has one shot on goal in the last eight games, and five for the season. I mean, you're not, you know, you're not going to score obviously if you're not if you're not even shooting. Um, his, I mean, a, a big piece of it is, his, you know, uh, uh, what you described, and then there's, there's a carryover in the confidence. You know, if you would have a you have an Atkinson and a Couturier, it takes a lot of the offensive pressure off. I mean, personally. I would have liked to have seen the flyers go back to trying Kate's with frost and and it or the Tippets up on the top line right now. So I'd like to see how that works out. But, um, you know, but why not? They, they, they haven't even looked at it except for other than one shift that I recall in one game. That's, yeah. that's, indicated that's one shift. I, I'd, I'd like to see them go back and look at it again because it showed so much promise in the final 12 games of the last season. So that's something that as they continue to juggle the lines, maybe they get back to it at a certain point, but, uh, I think that I think he's one of the young guys who, in, in, in you know, again, he's very, very mature, right? And, and you forget that he's still just 23. And, you know, and he's so good defensively and and just his general approach of the game, his details, his stick and body position, are, they're so mature that you forget that, you know, that you go a little, a little while without scoring and, and you're young and you start wondering. You know what do I have to do? And he gets yeah I think he gets get a little anxious to get rid of the puck when he has the stick right now. I think that that's the that's been a side piece of this too. Even if he just has what I what I'd really like to see you know final thing on Noah is that you know in the St. Louis game right now even if he doesn't score just just get a couple shots on the net and and Generally. rebuild the process with the, through his forechecking and just yeah. getting to the net. There'll be a rebound in the sitting there. One will go off a shin pad or something, and then you relax, and you're fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I th- he's squeezing it a bit right now, too, and I think we can see that as well. Sometimes when it comes to you a little easier at first, and then you come back the next season and it doesn't come that way, it, you have to knock down that wall. And he's going to have to knock it down, and there's only one way to do it, and that is to create opportunities and get pucks to the net. And maybe that could start to turn that and open that up, that offensive element of his game back up. Uh, Flyer Llama tweets him, Bill. He says, uh, at Bill Meltzer, at Jason Mert. He says, is it just me or has TK taken over as the leader of this team? He said, he is showing the most skill, grit, and leadership of anyone. I know what Lawton brings, but TK is really something. Also, how about Big Mac stepping up? Thanks, guys. So let's talk about TK. Um, Bill, before the season started and the episode that preceded uh, – first game of the season, I thought I said it was imperative that TK not only have a bounce back year, but I thought that this opportunity to grab leadership on and off the ice, uh, the coaching of John Tortorella with a player like him. I think he's a pleaser as a player, Um, a guy that can play with an incredible edge with that speed, with his talents, that he would be the Flyers, essentially their heart trophy winner, their MVP, the Bob Clark winner so far to I've, I've gotten lucky here. He has, in my opinion, done that. And it's not just about the points. It's about the way he's carried himself. What have you seen mm-hmm. out of TK so far here through a couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, this has been the best version of TK, you know, over, over stretch. So really, really since the 1920 season. Um, and in some ways, he's better than that season, too, because he's now he's killing penalties, for example. and yeah. All situations. Yeah, yeah, and... You know, he, he's, he's always had the ability to be, to get under opponents' skin. But now, now what he's doing is you're not, he's not getting goaded, right? It, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I, so somebody made the analogy. I don't know if it's Jonesy or somebody said there's almost a little Brad Marshall in his game right now where, you know, where he, he's got the other team wanting to kill him. But uh, when, when they're going at him, you know, and then the, the Matthews situation was a little different only because. You know, you already lost that game anyway, you know. Um, so that was what it was. And, and frankly, I thought it was Matthews that came out looking bad from that whole thing anyway. Totally agree. So, uh, but, you know, but I think that just his, this is just this day in, day out approach. Um, you know, he, he got benched in the third period of a game and said the right things and certainly did the right things even more important than what he said afterwards was just how he, how he handled it. Um, You know, I mean, when he reported in Canada, like, wow, he's jacked. He's, he's in fantastic condition Yeah, and the best shape I've ever seen Travis. And, and really, he's really just taking the bull by the horns. Um, You know, Kevin Hayes has racked up the assists um, in in conjunction with connecting, but he just scored a second of the season. But just, just in terms of, you know, if you need a big play made, He's been the guy making it, yeah. so you know, and, and uh, just 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 all the different aspects of the game, using his speed, and you know, putting putting to action where you talked about watching video and needing to get to the inside. Well, that's what he's doing. He's getting to the inside. He's getting over the middle. He's getting getting in that area also, you know, the dots down area where goals get scored. And when he's on the perimeter, he's not nearly as dangerous. So he's been, he's been putting everything what he said he needed to do actually actually into practice. And, uh, yeah, I mean, other, other, other than Carter Hart, he's been the Flyers' best player.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Dave Bergen tweets in uh, regarding Carter Hart. He says, Jason and Bill, wondering if you guys are coming to the same conclusion. I am. Kata hot is a goalie that needs a heavy workload. Now, I don't know if Dave means as in games played workload. I don't know that I'm ready to go there, that he needs to be playing 65 games. I don't believe that at this point, but I think he is a goalie that enjoys seeing a lot of shots. And when we look at his record, when he sees over 40 shots a game, it's, he's only got two losses. Um, he is a goalie that, with a lot of touches, really gets locked in to a game. And yep. I, I think that he is a high-volume workload goaltender in that
1: regard. Yeah, which is, you know, the, that's a characteristic of a lot of top goalies. Yep. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, I saw stats on, on Henrik Lundqvist with In that 20 to 25 range, he wasn't that effective. And then, you know, but the more shots he saw, the the more he stopped. You know, the, the higher his save percentage got, the more. And obviously, you know, listen, you want to protect your goalie. You want to you attack, you want to defend, and you want to overtax your goalie. But, but it does show that uh, you know the the best goalies get into that rhythm. They don't mind seeing a lot of rubber and and uh, you know and and Carter's always kind of as you point out always kind of been that way. Um, so you know I think that's part of part of the reason why the Flyers play the way they play, um, they're not afraid to give him some shots. Um, they, you want to give him he want to take away those backdoor goals. That uh, that a goalie has no chance on, I mean, and you want to take away the ones obviously where you can't see the puck, where where he's heavily screened or the deflections. You know, no goal, no goalie's gonna succeed over the long haul. Of all these, all he's seeing is you know, put pucks. pucks he doesn't see. He pucks he can't track, or or those backdoor plays where now all of a sudden you're you have to cheat to get over the other post because you're so worried about the backdoor play. Then something sneaks in the short side. So the team in front of them has done a good job besides blocking shots, taking away some of those. And he's been doing all the rest. I mean, including some really high danger chances that he's making. with these. Yeah, I, I
0: agree. And I think it's harder for a goalie on minimal shots. Like Marty Bordeaux is really good at it of being able to make a spectacular save when he had only seen 12 shots through two periods. That's hard to do. Um, Having those touches of the puck really get you a rhythm into a hockey game as a goaltender. Tim Tobin tweets in. He says it might sound crazy to ask, but if they can at least remain in the area of the standings that they're currently in right now, they're in the fourth spot in the Metro points percentage wise of the second team in the Metro. He said, does it make it easier to make a quote hockey trade with another team because they know this way of hockey is not sustainable for getting points? Well, I mean, if we get to the trade deadline and they're in this basic position in the standings. It obviously has been pretty sustainable, but I don't know that it makes it easier to make a hockey trade with another team. Uh, I think that trade is always difficult in season. And like we kind of referred to before and there's hockey trades. I think they're always more likely to happen in the off season around the draft.
1: Yeah. um, That's for sure. You know, and one thing that I will say, I mean, they—they're not obviously they, they can't bank any cap space because they're over the cap and they're in long-term injured reserve. But you know, the only—the only silver lining to Sean cahtoryes situation, truly the only one, is that's a—that's a lot—that's a, lot, a big chunk of uh, you know of LTR space if if you need it. And you know, beyond that, he let's take a worst-case scenario with Akin, where he's. Unable to come back for a significant period of time or, or whatever. Hopefully, this isn't season threatening or whatever. But, but so let's let's just play through the scenario. It is now. Let's say you're sitting on about almost twenty million dollars of uh, you know between between the three players that you have on LTI. You know, all, yeah. all of a sudden you could go just get over any- nine, just over nineteen. You were exactly right. Right. So at that point, you're not trading from any position. You could go. You could go get whoever you want. Whoever you can make a deal for. So, yeah. uh, you know, the the whole thing about trading is obviously what you have to offer in return and, and players availability, but also are you trading from a position of strength or weakness? Um, part part of why you end up with pennies on the dollar, sometimes with good rentals is because the team knows you're not resigning the guy. You're not making the playoffs. And uh, you know, and especially, especially when you have a situation where no trade or something might be involved, then all of a sudden you have to just take what you can get. So, so from that sense, and from that sense, it becomes easier just because you have a little more leverage to to make a move. Um, but uh, that that's a long way between here and there. And I don't think any, I don't think anything is imminent in terms of those kind of trades that uh, you know tend to ha- tend to happen in the off season.
0: I had the doomsday scenario, Bill, where I was going on cap friendly, and I'm going if Couturier never plays again, if Cam Atkinson never plays again, Ryan Ellis never plays again, and they shed the James Van Riemsdyk contract after this season they have 26 plus million dollars in cap space yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just snap myself out of it and you know hit myself with some smelling salts and slap myself around a little bit but uh, but i was like wow that's a lot of cap space <laughs> and some interesting guys coming up that you can get in the market for you can offer a max contract for yeah. um last one comes from carl burke he says in your guys opinion what point of the season and what type of record will they need to get all of the naysayers to at least see that this team is better than they were expecting. I mean, I think you have to get pretty significantly into the season on post January one, you know, maybe even close to February, if they're in the spot, they are in the standings right now. But, you know, I, I didn't have high expectations coming in bill. And you couple that with those key injuries, which we just talked about, but the notion that this team had nothing was one that I never bought into because even though Provorov had a down year, a couple of years, he's still a good defenseman. Even though Travis Konechny wasn't scoring at the same clip of those three successive 24-goal seasons, I still believe that he's a highly talented player. Travis Sanheim, I think there's other guys on this roster. Um, this notion that they were devoid of talent completely and that they were a bottom two or three teams in the NHL, to compare along with the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, the Arizona Coyotes to me was never a belief that
1: I held no uh, you and I discussed that at a, at length several times you know in the offseason heading into the season that uh, going in with no particular expectations I still don't have expectations you know uh, but because, you're never you know, as far away as you think you are. No, no, no you're sport. not. There's, there's, there's exactly. There's so much parity in the league, you know. And you're really, you're really just, uh, you know, a, a little bit of uh, buying in, buying in, and playing in a cohesive way. All of a sudden, that keeps you in games. The goal, t- the goaltending, of course, being the big equalizer. Listen, Carter Hart's not gonna. You know, stop pucks at 98 percent or whatever it was you know, over the last two games. Every game, all season, and and Carter may may even have some games this season where just a little tough puck clock and they're four by him thirty minutes into the game. We'll and, get pulled a game this year. I yeah. guarantee
0: it'll happen. It's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, it's it, 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 exactly it's gonna happen. So you know, are, are you gonna keep getting goals from McEwen and and from you know? The Laurier and those the surprise sources. Well, you hope so. You hope that different surprise sources step up, and you know, and and I don't think you're going to go all season with no goals from Provorov or, or Sandheim On the flip side of that, you, know, the, you, you get some other contributions from you know, the blue line and, and other parts of the lineup. How far do you have to go in for people to believe it? I mean, I I think there's there's a lot of people saying, well, if you're just competing, you're in the bubble. I'd rather they not be. So I, I think you know I I think it's a lose lose situation right. Um mm-hmm. in, in that regard I don't think you're gonna I don't think you're gonna please all the people. Um for me it's always to me it's always better to be in playoff contention. Um you know upsets happen in this sport upsets happen in every sport but ho- hockey in particular. Um just go back to those couple of years ago before Tampa Bay won their back to back cups and they they run away with the President's Trophy they go into the playoffs they they play uh Columbus actually coached by Tortorella at the time and they get swept. Yep. Cuz you know, Tortorella
0: forced yeah. them to play faster.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so it's it, it's the nature of hockey. So I don't I'm, you know, you you're not going to please all the people all the time. But um but I but I think as long as the team keeps working as hard as they have shown the resiliency, I think the majority of fans can get on board with hey this this team is a lot more entertaining to watch than I thought they would be.
0: And moving in the right direction. Are there still flaws? Absolutely. Are there still player development issues that need to be better? Absolutely. Uh, Health obviously plays a part of this as well, but, um, and do they need more high end talent? Yeah. Damn right. They do. Absolutely. But that to, to think that the team is completely devoid of all talent and to your point about parody in the NHL, I mean, The Toronto Maple Leafs, so far this year, prior to the Flyers game, lost to three of the worst teams in the league. They lost to Arizona, they lost to Anaheim, and they lost to San Jose. And that was 10 games in, three losses to those three teams. That's that's the NHL today. That just is. It's amazing that a team with Mitchell Marner and Austin Matthews, who scored 60 goals and won a heart last year, and all the talent that they have, and John Tavares, who looked great against the Flyers, that they lost to Arizona, blew a two-goal lead against Anaheim and lost, and lost to the San Jose in their first ten games of the year.
1: No, for sure. And, yeah, and, and you look at the real, you look at the real top teams and like hundred-plus point teams. They win fifty games, and you know, and they have a bunch of other regulation points. But any, you know, that's that's still in the neighborhood of 30, 32 losses during during the regular season. And some of those losses are almost always, you know, almost always you have teams that are at the bottom, bottom, bottom of the standings. And a couple yep. of those losses are to those teams. It's the any given night, but also that there's, there's also a lot of talent in the league. The teams that you say don't have a lot of talent, they still, they still have guys that can, that can burn you. I mean, there's a reason why they're in the NHL. So, you know, he, it's why getting back to what he said at the top, you know, maybe the Flyers, this is an easier quote unquote week for the Flyers in the schedule. It could just as easily be a winless week if, if they're not ready to go. So yep. uh, it's just, just how it goes. And you can get goalied at any time. Yep.
0: Back to Carter Hart. Uh, anyway, um, great stuff, Bill. Great questions from everybody, everybody who tweeted in uh, and with the hashtag Ask Billy. Great stuff there as well. We got as many as we could. Uh, Flyers will be back in action tomorrow. It'll be the first reverse retro night against of the season. We'll get to see the Cooperalls and warm-ups, which will be fun. And uh, it'll be the St. Louis Blues in town, along with Craig Berube. Brews have been really scrip- scrapping here early on in the season. So uh, we'll see how the Flyers can start off the week. But everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow as we preview Flyers Blues and uh, rebuild stuff on NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new Flyers tab.